Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and I am fangirling a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Over today's guest, we will be talking with Sex with Emily. If you don't know her, welcome to the sex space. Emily has been in this space for over 15 years and has definitely been someone that I've looked up to just in terms of learning more about sexuality. She does so many things. So if you haven't heard of her yet, where have you been? Um, Dr. Emily is the founder and host of the Sex with Emily radio show that is on Sirius XM. It is top rated. She also has a podcast that is also called Sex with Emily. It is the longest running sex and relationships podcast in the world. It has been in production since 2005, a long, long before uh, sex education was mainstream at all. Um, Emily has a doctorate in human sexuality and is also the author of a best-selling book. She is down to earth. She's shame-free. She's incredibly, incredibly helpful. Um, she also served as co-host on the Loveline radio show. Um, so today, Emily is joining the podcast and we are going to together answer some of your sex questions. So we've got questions ranging from things like masturbation to porn use to sex drive. Um, And then I'm going to ask my own personal question because I can and I need her help. So I truly, truly enjoyed recording this episode with Emily and I'm very excited to be colleagues with her going through my own training and um, sex therapy. So uh, thank you guys for asking all the questions that you did and for putting yourselves out there and being vulnerable with me. And I'm honored to answer these questions alongside with Emily. So if you guys have further questions, don't forget you can always send in a audio note to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And make sure to follow the podcast Instagram page at let's talk about it underscore podcast. And at the end of this episode, Emily and I do talk about toys. So giving you a reminder upfront here that if you want to check out some of the toys, uh, you can go to wevibe.com and use the code Taylor20 for 20% off of any toy that you choose. Check out the toys that they have on sale. One of my favorites is the Melt. Uh, Emily and I will definitely continue to talk about that towards the end of the episode, but uh, just be sure to check out the episode notes at the end of this episode or now um, if you're interested in some of the toys. I super appreciate you all submitting these questions and I hope that Emily and I have given you some good feedback. So let's talk about it. All right. So welcome Emily to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, excited. I'm super, yeah, I'm very excited. There's, you've been in this field for many years more than I have. Um, so I feel like there's a lot that, uh, that I can learn from you and also just from your own personal experiences, you know, that you've been much more intentionally engaged in this field uh, than I have. But have super appreciated your work in this space. And uh, we have a bunch of listener questions um, that I'm really excited to kind of answer along with you. But before we get to that, was hoping you could share with both me and and listeners here just a little bit about what got you into this field in the first place. Okay. Well, I got into this field because I was really... I had abysmal sex education, if any. And I had been Mm -hmm. having sex for a while. And I was like, what is the big deal with sex? I thought it was really underwhelming and I wasn't having orgasms. I didn't masturbate. And I was like, sex, I mean, I used to have this boyfriend and I did, you know, that would come visit me in college and he was, I mean, I loved him, but he would come visit me and he'd be like pounding away. I'm like, mm-hmm. is this what sex is all about? <laughs> and I would ask my friends and they're like, oh, you know, haven't you ever masturbated or had an orgasm? I said, I didn't even know what they were. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go on this journey. And then I started asking all of my friends about their sex lives and their relationships. And that's when I started the podcast 15 years ago. Cause I was like, I do not want to, I, I was like faking orgasms. I was pretending mm-hmm. I like sex. I didn't have the information. So I got into it because I thought, what if I could learn, not only learn to understand sex and enjoy it, because everything we hear about sex before we have sex is like, it's the end all be all. It's going to be yes. amazing. And it wasn't. And then I thought, well, if I could learn and then I could become an expert and help others, that seemed like a worthwhile path since sex was this mm-hmm. coveted thing. So that was my journey was because I wanted to help others and myself. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're definitely not alone in feeling like, you know, there was little to no education around sex and it being kind of this big question mark, yet also this end all be all for everyone. Um, I think that's definitely the way a lot of people feel. Hence, you know, a lot of these questions that we're going to get to in a minute here. Um, And, you know, when you started the podcast, uh, did you ever have like specific goals of being where you're at now with, you know, hosting the show on Sirius and all that? Like, did you envision all this for yourself or are you you just kind of like, I am here now. <laughs> Obviously, it's funny because my path was always like I, I, I had undergrad in psychology, and my path was always I knew that I was going to work. So I was raised. My mom was like, "Never rely on a man to take care of you, and you be independent." So in my brain, I was like, "Okay, well, if I'm always going to be working, I better find something I love." So mm-hmm. honestly, my path wasn't so much about like how do I find a man and how do I get kids and do all that. It was like, what's going to be my life purpose? And I actually started working in politics. Because hmm. I was working for a there was no, there weren't any there was only two women in the Senate at the time when I graduated. So I, I was like, I want to work for women. And then that sort of pivoted from I made a film about politics and then I thought I love interview. It was a documentary. Hmm. And so it pivoted to this. But the first day I, I did the the show, I thought this it was literally it was like I sat and it was almost akin to what it must feel like when people say they found the one and like their heart hmm. was beating. I did five hours of interviews and I thought, this I have found my path. This is my purpose. Hmm. This is going to change lives. I don't know any of this stuff. People, I thought, yeah. at first I felt, oh, I'm not alone. Actually, nobody knows any of this stuff. We were not taught. No one's having great sex. It's very mm-hmm. confounding. And so, and now I also thought at the time there was only Dr. Ruth. So I was like, okay. Yeah. So, and everyone's like, Dr. Ruth, Dr. Ruth. I was like, oh, okay. So I'll be like, like next Dr. Ruth. And, but I, I really just kept following my passion and what I loved. And to, I, I have to say that you know, that, that to me is for, for me, that was my path. And the second I didn't love it and it wasn't pulling me, I I would pivot, but I've never pivoted off this path. So now the Mm -hmm. fact that I get to do so many things is incredible, but I, I'm not one of these, like, I'm going to do television and radio and books, but now that just kind of what happened by a pursuit of being, you know, having, being authentic and being real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I'll say I've noticed from, not that I definitely notice it within like the mental health space as well, but even more significantly in the sexual health space that like the people that work around the sexual health are so passionate about it. Like, Oh yeah. They are really in it and they really love it. And I'm like, whenever I talk to people, they're like, yeah, like you just really lit up talking about sex. Like you, you became so much more engaged in this conversation. (laughs) I know. Like that's why I'm pursuing it more because it definitely is something I've always been very passionate about. And it just, it shows through in this community. Yeah. No, Taylor, that's so funny because I'm telling you, maybe this will make you feel good about that. 15 years in, I still, people are like, you still light up. I can tell like people Mm -hmm. I just meet on the street, like you're still passionate about it. I'm like, I am so, because in some ways it hasn't changed that much. Like people there's still a lot of the same questions and people don't know it. So yeah, I love that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. true. It's like, that's how you know. That's when it's your thing. When your light is like, you're leaning it away instead of leaning back from things. That's how yeah. you know you found it. So definitely. All right. I want to take a short break here because I have received many questions about the kinds of CBD that I use, why I use it. And I've been trying this out for several weeks now. And so I'm excited to finally share it with all of you lovely listeners. Um, I've been using this new CBD that I found and it is actually dissolvable. You all know I don't swallow pills. I find that a little bit difficult, (laughs) Um, but I have found Caliper, which helps you consume CBD in a dissolvable form, which I mean, when I take CBD, I notice that it just, it helps me feel a little less sore. I usually carry a lot of tension and stress in my shoulders and in my neck. So taking CBD has really helped with that. So I just started off in the mornings just so that I'm going throughout the day a little more relaxed. Uh, But unlike CBD oils, the Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless. Like you can just mix it straight up into water and you don't even notice it. So usually I put it into my tea. Sometimes I'll mix it in with my cereal. There's no weird taste or oily residue or anything like that. And each packet has precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD. So you never have to question how much CBD you're taking and it's consistent. Um, it's also, it comes in this super easy pack. So if you are going anywhere, which... Not sure where you're going these days, but if you're going anywhere, um, it's super easy to travel with as well. Um, and fun, fun fact, actually, it's clinically proven 
okay, clinically proven that you absorb 450% more CBD with caliper CBD powder compared to tinctures, which is wild. (laughs) Like that's so much CBD that you think you're taking that you're not actually taking. So I mean, I've always been a a, a proponent here for, you know, (laughs) non-pill products (laughs) Uh, just because of that, not liking to swallow things, but this just makes it feel like this is science now. So it's better to take things that are dissolvable in powder. Um, And Caliper CBD also just gives you these CBD benefits in just 15 minutes, which is about twice as fast as CBD oil. And who knows how much faster than gummies, which is what I used to take. But this is so much easier. Um, and you can get started for under $20. CBD uh, from Caliper comes in affordable 10 and 30 count packs. So today, very excited to share with you all, you will get 20% off your order when you use promo code TALKABOUTIT at trycaliper.com slash talkaboutit. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. So no worries. That's trycaliper.com slash talk about it. Don't forget promo code talk about it for 20% off your first order. So I hope you all enjoy and take advantage of this lovely offer. With all of that said, we can now get right back to the show. I want to kind of get a little bit here. There's There were a lot of very good questions. And these are questions, again, as you said, you know, that like people are still asking the same questions now as they probably were 15 years yeah. ago. And, you know, I get these questions on a daily basis. And I'm very, very thankful to have uh, your perspective and answering yeah. some of these as well. Um, the first one was it's something... I do get regularly because I'm currently practicing and then also have this public persona, not persona, but yeah, public, no, it, public life work, I guess. Um, yeah. And we chatted briefly before this, but you're not currently seeing clients, but before, you know, kind of when you first started off in this, you were... Yes. Um, and so this listener asked, how does you discussing personal things like sex, masturbation, et cetera, have an impact on your therapy profession? Do you see any conflicts or projections by clients? I'm a therapist as well, and I'm so private on social media for fear of clients seeing this personal side of me. Yeah. I, well, I think when you are seeing clients that it is important to keep it private because I think there is a certain you know, uh, boundary that you have to set because that's you know, people are going to go in and see, see what's happening. But I got to tell you something. I, I post personal things and well, it's very different because I'm not seeing clients now. It's very Mm -hmm. different with the patient client relationship with the, with the patient therapist relationship. So I feel like, you know what, if you love your clients and what you do, you just don't talk about your sex life on your social media. Like I've got a Mm -hmm. national show and podcast. I've been doing 15 years. It's always been a little bit of both. Well, you know, I'd say the last 12 years. So yeah. You know, but I think that we know, I think that we can kind of choose what we share with the outside world. And maybe she has to have a separate account that she keeps private, but mm-hmm. choose your, choose your, choose your side, choose your lane. You know, I, that's what I think you could do. I think, um, but also when I first started, I thought, well, how, if I'm talking about my sex life every day, like last night I was banging this mm-hmm. guy and this thing happened that also gets old. So there's a certain kind of like, I've, I don't know how to explain this to you, but I've always sort of known where the line is and it's not even conscious, but it's like, if I share something. It's because if I ever share anything about mm-hmm. myself, it's because it's germane to the conversation, to the listener, to the caller. I can tell you that I did the same thing with someone or one time I faked an orgasm or mm-hmm. I thought the guy's penis was, I didn't know what to do with it because it, it, it's relatable. But yeah. just to be sensational, like this happened, that happened, that doesn't work. So I think yeah. you find your groove that works. Definitely. I, I agree with that. And I think most of the things, you know, on on just kind of the platforms that we have, I think we both are intentional about the things that we share there. So for me, you know, yeah, I'm going to share parts of my masturbation journey that feel like they might be helpful for someone, regardless if it's a client or not. And for me, my boundaries with social media, I mean, I have a whole whole section in my disclosure statement that I go over with clients in the beginning about my social media policy and where, you know, I request that clients do not follow me on any public forms because there's these disadvantages XYZ and there's these advantages XYZ of how that could impact treatment and making sure that that's an ongoing conversation throughout therapy as we check in with our therapeutic relationship. Because for me, again, it's important that the clients I work with understand that I'm also a person 
Like, yeah. I'm not going to be going into session. Like, oh my God, by the way, I tried out this new vibrator last night and it was so <laughs> right. amazing. And like, I hooked up with this guy. Like, that's not what our therapy sessions are about. But like, I also am still a person outside of this. And maybe it definitely is creating a separate account and maybe it is keeping your account private. Um, whatever those boundaries yeah. that, are, that feel best for you as a professional, then, you know, I think you trust that. Yeah. And also think about like, why am I sharing this right now? Mm-hmm. Like, I almost believe if you're a therapist and you're sharing something, I don't know. Again, it, it, you just kind of think of like, will this be helpful? Will this be useful? But yeah, I think we get yeah. to decide case by case basis. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is probably the, this is the longest question that we'll have. Uh, this listener gave a little bit of backstory here, but I feel like it's important and also relatable. Yeah, I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. So this listener, she writes, uh, my whole life, I have struggled with my mental health. In my home, there was verbal and emotional abuse. There were also never any negative messages sent to me about sex, but also never really any positive ones either. I just always remember feeling feeling confused and extremely shameful anytime I would feel any sort of sexual urge or desire. Those feelings followed me into my adult years. At a young age, I remember feeling sexual and wanting to explore my sexuality, and I would masturbate without understanding what it was, yet then later feel extreme guilt or like I had a problem. As I grew up, I struggled with body image issues and developed an unhealthy relationship with my eating habits and self-worth. I started therapy and through therapy, I realized I had to rebuild the relationship with myself and a lot of that rebuilding was getting to know my body before I allowed anyone else to. I had a boyfriend around age 16 while I was in, middle, while I was in the middle of all of this and I never felt comfortable enough to do anything sexual. Same with the boyfriend I had from age 17 to 18. I completely stopped dating at age 18 and dedicated my time and energy to healing myself. What I'm realizing now as a 23-year-old who was six months into her first, quote, real adult relationship is connecting to myself through masturbation and exploring my sexuality and sexual health. I am bridging a gap between my sexual health and mental health. I'm healing so many broken parts of myself through embracing my sexuality. I'm comfortable with solo sex, but not experienced in partnered sex. The partner I have now doesn't know that. So far, we have experimented with FaceTime sex and sexting, which is fun for me and makes me feel more comfortable slowly allowing someone into an intimate space with me. My question is, am I obligated to tell this person that I have no prior experience with partnered sex? I'm not sure why I'm uncomfortable with the idea of that. I don't like labels. I don't like the term virgin. I don't identify with any of that. I feel comfortable in my sexuality with pleasuring myself and I know I'm comfortable with him but part of me feels guilt and shame for not telling him. Mm. I just wanted thoughts on this and also wanted to provide some background information. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, there's so much there because I think it's so relatable too. So many of us have these stigmas Mm -hmm. from childhood and religion and they carry us throughout our lifetime unless, you know, we we kind of face them and realize we get to make our own choices and our own decisions. But Mm -hmm. the the question, what it came to is like, let's start with that one and we can go deeper into it. But is that, should she tell her partner? And mm-hmm. I, I absolutely think that if we're going to have sex with somebody, be intimate with somebody, they deserve to know the truth because that's, I think that they, we want to set people up for success and to be great lovers to us. We want to be a great lover to them. So I think just saying, you know what, being completely honest and saying, mm-hmm. you know, I had some shame. I had, I was, it feels very vulnerable to me to share this with you, but yeah. I, I love our connection, what we, what we, what's been going on with us and turn me on. And I, I, I'm new at partnered sex. So I want mm-hmm. you to know where I'm at right now. And, and so I hope we can go safe and slow and, and mm-hmm. let me know what you think about that or what do you yeah. think? I just think, you know, it's almost like someone, like if someone gave you the keys to drive their car, you'd be like, Oh, I, I actually don't know how to drive. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with sex, we treat it with such kid gloves, but that is the problem. The, the mm-hmm. more we're able to communicate about what we actually want, that's where the magic happens and how we have better sex. What, yeah. I think. what do you think? Yeah. The, well, like the wording of this, right? Like, am I obligated to tell this person that I don't have prior experience? It's, I, I think it's less of like an obligation and more of like a, well, I would hope that you would want to, because hopefully by doing that, you're like ridding yourself of some of this potential shame around this. And you're creating a deeper connection with your partner because you're allowing them to actually understand your sexual history, which is going to help them better understand how to please you. Exactly. So right? we just think our partners are going to be mind readers. And I love what you said about shame because what we, the journey about shame is that once we actually say the things that we think we cannot say, mm-hmm. 
that's when all the power of it over us melts away. And then we're able to rise beyond whatever our limitations are in our you yeah. know, brain. So. 100%. That silence and like holding that in, I think only feeds and perpetuates that shame. So, I mean, this listener, you know, you might re- experience a sense of relief when you tell him. You might experience, um, you know, some deeper connection. I mean, your partner may actually not have any experience either, right? Like you never know what your partner is going to come back at at you with and what their experience is. So Such I would a good point. Yeah. Open, I mean, open the door for that conversation. Right. All right. I want to take a short break right here because this is your reminder right now to check in with yourself. Okay. I've shared them many times on the podcast as one of my favorite sponsors, and that is Better Help. If you check in with yourself right now and you're realizing that you're actually feeling really anxious, if something in this episode right now is causing you to reflect on something that you're realizing that maybe you could use a little bit more support on in your life, then I highly, highly recommend getting started with BetterHelp. You take a short little questionnaire and they will ask you questions to properly match you with a therapist. And again, this is a licensed professional counselor. It's not self-help. And you'll get matched in under 24 hours where you can connect in a safe and private online environment. It is honestly incredibly, incredibly convenient. So today as a listener of Let's Talk About It, I want to help you out and get 10% off your first month. So you can fit in four sessions in your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash talk about it. You can join over 800,000 people, probably many more today, <laughs> people that are taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash talk about it. And it's okay if you're struggling. It's okay to reach out for help. I love you all. I hope you take advantage of this better help offer and put yourself first. Get the help that you want or that you need or get the support that you want or need. It's okay. Um, yeah, I could go on and on about this, but <laughs> we, can, we can get back to the show now. This next question is really kind of some similar, but also opposite. Uh, this listener asks, how can I get a guy to take my virginity? Guys think I'm a huge turnoff since I'm 25 and a virgin. And I've actually got a lot of questions about this, about being in, in mid twenties, um, early thirties and, and being a, a virgin. Um, curious what your, what your thoughts okay. and advice are on this. Well, you know, it's funny. I get a lot of those questions too, um, and sex with Emily. And I feel like the the thing is, is that it's all about marketing and packaging your, your, your story and, and not mm-hmm. to be so cold about it, but it's like, Hey, I've been, I've been exploring my body and figuring out what I like. And I haven't felt ready right until now. And mm-hmm. I want you to know that like, I can't wait to be intimate with you and have sex. And this is, you know, I think I'm ready to take the journey right now. I love mm-hmm. that I've waited and taken this time to understand myself. Like, but rather like, Oh, we need to talk. Guess what? I'm a virgin. Right. Yeah. That's what I think. I think that we, the, the more we talk about this, like less shame, who's to say what mm-hmm. age I love that she waited. I love that. She's like, I wasn't ready till now. And I think we have to flip yeah. our own story, our own narratives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I like the piece of like how you, how you deliver that I think is gonna tell your partner a lot about like how, where you're at. Right. If you're coming yeah. at it and you're like very, shy and just kind of like shameful about it, then yeah, that person might kind of get freaked out and say that that's a turnoff and that they're not about that. But if you're coming at it, like really excited, like, you know, I waited till now, but like now I'm really into this and I really want to do this. Um, but I think a big thing around, you know, that first experience, that sexual debut, as I like to call of it, instead of virginity. Yeah. I hate that. Listen, if anybody who shames you or doesn't want to be with you because you shared that information, Guess mm-hmm. what? They're not your person. Yeah. Like that is information. I think we all like, how do I be a good lover? How do I make a good orgasm face? How do I be the most experienced lover? Be yourself. Mm-hmm. You want someone to love you for who you are and show up in that way. If someone they're doing you a favor, if they're like, oh, you're a virgin, da, 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 bye. Yeah. On to the next. That's how that's my take on it. And that took me a long time to learn that lesson that actually that's protecting us from people that aren't for us. Then they might understand it. They might take a beat and go, oh, interesting. Didn't know that. Mm -hmm. But the people who judge you and shame you are not your people. That goes for friends too. 
A hundred percent. Definitely. Um, I think my point, as I think back here to just the sexual debut piece, um, this, per- this person started out with their question of how do I get a guy to take my virginity? Oh. And then oh. it's like this something that he's taking from you that you're giving away. Whereas if you look at this as like a sexual debut and it's a fun, like, you know, can we share this experience with each other? You know, this is going to be the first time that I experience this kind of sex and I want to share it with you and I'm really excited. Um, might be less of a pressured kind of delivery for that. I think if you can communicate your desires ahead of time, similar to with this previous listener, because I think often, you know, typically heterosexual, cisgender, all of that, uh, men will feel a little scared and pressure around quote unquote virginity at later ages, because there's this sense of responsibility and pressure that is put upon them. So I think having an honest conversation about that and maybe even starting off like, you know, I understand it might, it might feel a little intimidating or it might feel like there's this pressure around it. Cause I haven't experienced this before, but like, this is where I'm at X, Y, Z. I think that was yeah. my original. Yeah. No, that, that's so true. We get to rewrite it and be like, you know, and again, no one knows this before because they think it is a taking thing. But if it's like, mm-hmm. you are lucky to be invited to my sexual debut. Yeah. I am not attached. You don't owe me anything. But yeah. welcome to my debut party. And mm-hmm. you're lucky to be invited. Party yes. of two. Or not, you know? So I, I love that just twist on it because it's like, because you're right. There is to, to give, you know, of course, men, cisgender men are like, yeah, they feel what they've been told is, oh God, it's going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And she's going to, oh my God, she's going to be so attached. She's mm-hmm. going to get married. Blah, blah. It's like, no, what if you, you got to present like, this is what it's about. And then just mm-hmm. we get to set the ground rules and yeah. explain what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Love there's, it. there's a lot more I could say on that one. Uh, <laughs> but there are a lot of other good questions I want to get to. Um, so this next one is how to increase sex drive without masturbation parentheses, personal choice. All right. So this is from a woman, right? I, I don't know. I'm going to make the assumption yes. here that this is a heterosexual cisgender woman. Okay. Um, I would, yeah, exactly. Cause most men are not like, I don't want to <laughs> masturbate. Like as they yeah. said, no, said no man ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I mean, honestly, I feel like our brain is the largest sex organ. And so if, if there's ways to figure out right now, like what actually gets you in the mood for sex? Like what mm-hmm. turns you on? Is it yeah. reading erotica? Is it, yeah. you know, reading? Is it educating yourself? You know, a lot of times it's education and experience. So finding things that turn you on when you're out, like tune into your senses. Like maybe you're like, oh, these oranges look really ripe. They turn me mm-hmm. on. Or this eggplant, like everything is, can be sensual and seen as sort of sexual in our environment. So just yeah. finding things that really get you going. And, and, and I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it's about that being and, and making friends with your body and your sexual self. You don't want yeah. to masturbate. Like what is, what does it feel like to you? What gets you internally? Mm-hmm. We have to keep our own pilot light lit. Like, so what does that look like? And the yeah. more we know that, then we are with a partner we can explain that. And that's like a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. So start yeah. today. Yeah, the the increasing sex drive piece, usually I I do say like, well, masturbate, but maybe if it's not even like genital masturbation, maybe it is still just touching your body in, in other areas. Um, yeah. And my guess here is that you're wanting to increase sex drive like with partnered sex, um, but not wanting to experience any form of solo sex. And I love that you brought up erotica because that's what I was thinking too. I was like, yeah, you know, maybe it's reading something that's really sexy to you. Maybe it's watching something that really turns you on. Um, Maybe it's dirty talking with your partner. You know, maybe it's practicing sexting. Um, Maybe again, it's that educational piece that you were talking about to just even give you more of the tools and language to be able to practice those things. Um, I think for the most part, I'm curious what you would say to this. I think something that helps increase my sex drive when I don't feel like masturbating or when I'm like saying, you know, okay, maybe I'm not going to masturbate, but I want to get turned on. Um, usually my go-to is to actually like take 
naked selfies. Oh, really? <laughs> and like, look at your own neck. Yeah, because you're like yeah. looking at your body and you're like, I look hot. Yeah, I look good. <laughs> totally. I agree with you. And do you know, I love that you said that. There was a study that came out that showed that women, when they look in the mirror, like if they're having, if they watch a couple, like a heterosexual couple having sex and women get more turned on by their own image and by their mm-hmm. own body than anything yeah. else. And so, so yeah, like take a mirror, like look at, just look at what you look like and that mm-hmm. might inspire you as well. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. I love the naked selfie thing. Yeah, girl. I mean, like, why? Yeah. Really, we are <laughs> sexy. And once we get on board with that, we're like, I'm I'm friggin' hot. Like, look yeah. at what our bodies. Like, women are like, like, we are like run the universe. Like, our sexual energy like fuels mm-hmm. the world. Like, if we can all, I want every, like, every woman tap into that. It's just such a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And we just we keep it down, you know? And so I'm just wondering if the, the reason not to masturbate is, you know, again, if there's some messages in our head that's like, it's wrong, or I'm doing something wrong, that's also going to keep it down because our thoughts rule that. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts are not the truth either, but our thoughts also can keep our sex drive down. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the parentheses, personal choice. I'm like, wait, but I have a lot of questions about that. I know. I know. Can you write us another? We'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, love that you brought up like that study. And I think, you know, even there are questions farther down about porn that I want to make sure we get to, but, um, I just came across one of my, my Toronto lover, uh, sent me a adult film star, Scarlet, Scarlet Scandal is her name. Okay. Um, Okay. And she, I don't know if she's mixed or not, but she looks, we look very alike. Like, and she's got her curly hair and like, I don't see a lot of that representation in the porn industry to begin with. So the fact that I found her, I was like, this is so exciting because like, I really enjoy watching her because she looks like me. <laughs> right. Exactly. That makes so much sense though. Yeah. Cause you don't see people like yourself. Yeah. yeah it's true. Guess we are narcissists in a way. Yeah. We <laughs> I know. I was like, I know. No. I was like, I don't know what this says about me, but representation is important. <laughs> no, it is important because you're like, it's familiar. That makes so much sense. Yes. Yeah. This is good advice. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this next question, uh, she says, my husband and I have been together for six years and married for one and a half years. I have a much higher sex drive than him and often find myself feeling frustrated and feeling unwanted and ugly. Whenever I try to initiate, he always turns me down. I used to try to talk to him about it, but he would either shut down and get angry or listen and apologize and say he would do better, but never actually be better. It's been three years of this now. I've stopped sharing how I feel because it's falling on deaf ears and I'm actually enjoying the little sex we do have less because I can't stop thinking about how we won't have it again for another couple of weeks. Mm. He, or he gets in the mood at weird times. So even if I'm not in the mood, I go along because I don't know when he will want to have sex again. Is this normal? I try not to put myself or him down in my head because I'm so distraught over this. My thoughts go between he's selfish and doesn't care about my needs and I'm ugly and he isn't attracted to me. Neither is true, but how can I deal with this better? Mm. Yeah, this is a... So yeah, I mean, this is very typical in every relationship. I want everyone to hear this. Take a moment. There will always be a high desire partner and a low desire partner in every relationship. And that might switch over time. Mm -hmm. So when this happens, we just really just need the tools to have a healthy um, conversation with our partner about sex about our, about our intimacy and our relationship, because typically what happens is we get in this pattern. We're like, I'm feeling rejected now. And when we Mm -hmm. feel rejected, we feel ugly and fat. And it's because I gained weight and I'm a terrible person, but it's really just, it's, it's this desire discrepancy. And so, Mm -hmm. and then the low desire, the you know, has, has the the power and sense of that they get to control it. So, I mean, it's even unwittingly. So you have, what my, my suggestion is to have a conversation about your sex life outside the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Not after you feel rejected or he feels bad. It's more like when you're going to dinner, you're hanging out, you're in a neutral environment, you're in a calm place. And you're just like, babe, you know what? I I love you, our relationship. I really think we should, let's, I would love to talk about our intimate life. I would mm-hmm. love to figure out a way that we become the greatest lovers to each other. And I feel like we've gotten to this pattern. And mm-hmm. so I, I I think about you all the time and I, I, I want to know like what really turned you on. Let me tell you what turns me on. Let's figure out a schedule. And people think mm-hmm. like that's so the least sexy thing is to schedule sex. But I'm telling you, scheduling sex prevents so much of this feeling like you're less than because then you're dealing with rejection all the time. Yeah. But when you're like, okay, 
Tuesdays and Friday nights, that's when it's happening. And then you can be like, okay, then you're thinking about it. You're planning, you got the dinner, you got, you, you, you can get dressed up or whatever makes you feel hot. So you, mm-hmm. you can, un, you can untwist this because right now it's, it's just resentments have built up and it's, they're not in yeah. a great place. And therapy might help too, because when couples have been together mm-hmm. this long and the same kind of dynamic, it can be hard to undo it on your own and to find the language. But I say, keep it positive, keep it light, keep it curious and figure out yeah. a way to work together because your partner's in your sex life. Definitely. Yeah. And the, the, I'm glad you brought up the keep it fun, keep it curious piece, because I think often when you kind of get in a little bit of this rut, I'm going to call it, uh, where that desire is mismatched and, um, there's this buildup now of this pressure on even just the act of you both having sex. So staying creative, I think engaging in other course, um, where there's not, the goal is not specific to have penetrative sex. So, you know, you, maybe you do schedule that Tuesday and Friday night and, you know, you say you're going to play around, you're going to do massage a little bit. You're going to focus on kissing. You're going to maybe, uh, have some fun with some oral play, but there's no, like the, the goal is just pleasure of like, how can we both experience pleasure together and it not be this specific goal of we're going to achieve having penetrative sex and like, there's this pressure around it, but of just letting yourselves experience pleasure with each other, however that looks, and to like allow yourselves to get creative with that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. We don't even know what else is on the table. We, one of the problems is that we just think about sex as being this linear, penetrative mm-hmm. thing. You go from kissing to, yeah. to, you know, and then it's like, no, it could be so many other things. It could be like, tonight we're going to make out. Maybe they mm-hmm. need, you know, massage. They need to relax. I mean, we're so anxious and anxiety is going to kill yeah. our sex life. So find ways to build it. Build yeah. it up. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Um, so a second ago, I had brought up porn. Um, so this question is, what do you think of studies showing how porn consumption changes our brains for the worse and that and the quality of our relationships with others, even linked with erectile dysfunction? I know many of them show correlations with frequency of consumption, but if that's the case, how much is too much? If any could be bad, why take the risk and support the industry? Questions I'm sure all the followers are asking. Mm-hmm. This also comes after I uh, have a partnership with Erica Lust and promoted X Confessions and Lust Cinema, um, both of which I love and support. Yes. Um, but I'll let you. I start love off Erica on this. Lust. That's great. I mean, her stuff is. I mean, so here's the thing about the the links and the studies between erectile dysfunction and porn. They haven't been that conclusive. There's a lot of different things that we're blaming porn on. Here, here's yeah. what I think. I think the problems with porn lie in the fact that people assume that porn is a blueprint of how we should actually have sex. Mm-hmm. And so then people are building up sex and all, they're not actually having intercourse. They're not having any kind of other intimacy and then they have these expectations. They're assuming that's, you know, wait, I just had sex with someone. Why didn't she bring a friend or a third? Yeah. She didn't, squ- you know, mm-hmm. she didn't. Squirt. Why did she spread her ass cheeks open for me? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Anal didn't happen on the first date. And so I think that that's the real problem and that we can rewire, like the can rewire the grooves in our brain about mm-hmm. what turns us on. And we keep sort of escalating and escalating the, the material. So then you feel like, you know, the, what we're watching and then we feel like we can't actually get aroused with a partner. And so I think Erica Les is a great example. Finding erotica, like mm-hmm. try Quinn is a great side. It's like audio erotica or finding mm-hmm. other things that turn you on. I don't think that every porn is for everybody. And so I, I, I don't think that you have to totally say no and throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I also think that, um, that, that erectile dysfunction is on the rise for men of all ages now, where it used to just be a little bit older men. And I think that is because mm. perhaps for some people that, that there could be an element to porn, like anything in excess. But I also think it's anxiety and mm-hmm. this performance thing, which we could also perhaps link back to porn that we constantly yes. think our, our penis isn't erect enough. Um, I'm not wet enough. You know, all the things that we do to yeah. comparison. So it's sort of a indirect correlation, but I'm not blaming porn for mm-hmm. anything. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, again, when it comes to like frequency and consumption, that like if it's creating dysfunction in your life, like if it directly is creating dysfunction in your life, right? Like you can't stop watching porn, you're at work and you're watching porn, you're getting fired from your job because you're watching porn and all these things, then like that might be a problem. That might be something to look at um, if that's starting to create actual function in your day to day life. Um, But yeah, in terms of 
what you said related to erectile dysfunction. I don't, I haven't dove deep into that research. Um, so I'm glad that you brought all of that up. But yeah, I think that porn can definitely be seen as it is a performance, um, but it puts that pressure on men, self identified men, whatever. Um, to perform in that way that creates pressure, which then creates this anxiety when it comes to actually having partnered sex in real life. Um, that makes sense to me, that connection. I don't think that porn is inherently bad for us to watch um, or inherently negative for our relationships. Um, uh, you know, films produced like by Erica Less, some of those are like, you know, documentaries of people having real sex that can actually be in some ways educational as opposed to, you know, your typical mainstream porn. So um, that's kind of my thought on that. You know, if, if they're saying, if any can be bad, why take the risk and support the industry? And while this is like, this is the longest, you know, prostitution is the longest uh, career or whatever in, in history, yeah. the longest profession. Um, and I don't think that, like, I don't think, I don't think that there's anything wrong with supporting people in, in the sex industry, sex workers. I think that they need that support and, yeah. and healthy, safe work environment. So I think we should Absolutely. be advocating for that. Exactly. Uh, okay. what, what was the name of the thing that you said for reading erotica? Oh, it's called, well, it's actually audio erotica. It's called, it's called Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, Try Quinn. And there's also Dipsy and they're erotica platforms where you're actually listening to, to audio. And I believe that for, obviously it's audio, you're listening to Mm -hmm. erotica. And I think that that's a super turn on. I mean, if you think about it, like, why do we love dirty talk? Why do we, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we don't need the visual and just like listening to it can be a huge turn on. That's one of my favorite things to do with sexting is to just send audio notes back and forth. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm so all easier. about the dirty talk. Same. <laughs> it, is, it is easier. And it I'm is. also just like, yeah, I don't want to have to like sit there and type a bunch, but also just hearing someone's voice, like yeah. what they want to do to me is like, right. I love oh, it. It's everything. I agree. There, there you go. That's how you turn yourself on, right? For other people who are mm-hmm. thinking, how do I get in the mood? Like, it's such a great thing. Like have your partner yes. send you what they want to do to you. Yes. What they're thinking about you. Right. Exactly. So um, this next question is also related to porn. Uh, the guy I'm hooking up with can't get off from penetration. He usually has to finish himself with his hand, and sometimes it can take a while, like over 30 minutes. He also puts porn on his phone while he does it, and I'm just like, why am I even here? I usually touch myself while he's doing that, so it's like a mutual masturbation type of situation, but I can get myself off in like five minutes. And then I'm just lying there waiting for him to finish jerking off to his porn for half an hour. It's clearly not an ideal situation. And the problem seems like it's mostly on his end. So I'm not sure if there's anything I could even do. Thinking of just finding someone new to hook up with. Mm. I've heard this a lot lately. I have mm-hmm. to say that that it's it can be harder for some men, young men to, all oh men actually, to ejaculate. Well, first off, there's two things. He might have delayed ejaculation, which is a condition for men who, who are unable to ejaculate in under 30 minutes. Hmm. And, um, or is it 45 minutes or less? I think it's like 30, but they, hmm. they literally, they, but so there's part of that. And that is a condition that's very hard to kind of, could it come from, um, tr- uh, you know, our, the, again, like our training of how we've trained mm-hmm. ourselves to masturbate. Um, yeah. again, I think a lot of it is anxiety and our thoughts. So that's one thing, but I, I think this sounds like he's a, he's really into a, a masturbatory pattern yes. that is so linked into his brain right now that he ha- doesn't have experience being relationally, relationally sexual with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so, so what I think, if you really like this guy, I wouldn't say bail, but I would say, just yeah. like we told our last listener, say, Hey, you know what? I want to show you some things that turn me on and what would feel good. And then if you both get engaged, though, sex is energy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Connection is energy. Is there a way that you can both learn to, it's a give and take and show them what you like and what you like, and then you're going like back and forth. And, and it sounds like it's just a very like individual, this is his pattern and your pattern. And so, mm-hmm. and then the thing about men just so used to their own hand, that's another thing. And men can yeah. unlearn, but they have to stop. They have to take the steps towards unlearning it, mm-hmm. unlearning that that's their pattern. Yeah. I would definitely want to ask and have conversations with him about, you know, what his history is with being able to ejaculate. Like if he is usually only being able to finish himself or orgasm, um, 
directly from masturbating to porn, like what his partnered sex has looked like in the past. Um, if there are other ways that he masturbates without that, um, because yeah, you can develop that association. Um, and it sounds like that's his solo sex association with orgasm and, and ejaculation is kind of bleeding over into his partnered sex life. Um, yes. But yeah, it's, it's important to not to not blame ourselves because I think that we go to like, what is the problem? Or I'm just or she's getting you know, getting angry to leave and to ask yeah. some more questions. Get curious. Yeah. Sexual history. Great. Definitely. Um, a few questions left. Uh, this person says, I'm assuming, again, this is heterosexual cisgender woman. Um, I want to learn more about orgasms. I can do clitoral ones on my own, but that's it. I'd like to have more with my partner, too. So far, I can only climax when I'm on top and in the right mindset. I'm 36 and I want to learn everything there is about my body and the pleasures it's capable of. Great, Great yes. mindset. <laughs> we all should. We all should learn about it. I know, right? I mean, that's the thing. We, we have to learn our own bodies. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just so you know, the majority of women do not orgasm through penetrative sex alone. I'm sure you talk about that a lot, mm-hmm. is that we just don't. And so the other work, like for me personally, I only had clitoral orgasms and I was, I had to actually like figure it out through masturbation and I had to figure out how I could have an internal orgasm. And it, it was really through a toy and through fingers mm-hmm. and it wasn't necessarily through a partner, but it was more like being curious. Cause I think we get so caught up in like, this is how an orgasm is going to feel. And it didn't happen right away. So I had to like explore the nerve endings and what felt good inside and experiment mm-hmm. with like different lubes and toys. Because like when they talk about the G spot, which I've just never believed it. Like, I think it's like the G area of anything. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't even like it. It was named after Graffenberg who didn't even yeah. have a fucking vagina. Yeah. But 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 this is more like it's really this is all in the self self work and the solo play like putting your fingers inside and exploring now your partner could definitely come on with that journey like I've had partners mm-hmm. when I was on my exploring that I was like hey like I remember going and buying like a a, a, a G spot vibrator buying like a at the time and buying a book and being like how can we do this and we went inside and it became a partnered play thing. So it's like, let's mm-hmm. find what feels good to me. And like, let's try with my part of what feels good to you. Like, let's find other things on your body that feel good. So yeah, some people to remember that like partnered sex is something that you guys are doing together. I think we all have our, these solo journeys where we can, once we figure stuff out or actually mm-hmm. we don't feel comfortable with masturbation, like do it with our partner. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, this, this next one is kind of similar to this. So I'm um, part of it. I think you just answered. Um, this listener is looking for help with getting wet. Um, she says that the struggle is real and that her doctor says that it's just because I'm thin, but I don't know. Oh my God, getting and, a doctor. <laughs> yeah, that was my thought. Um, what does being thin have anything to do with how you get wet? Nothing, zero things. And I'm telling you guys, challenge your doctors, challenge your gynecologists. Yeah. If something doesn't make sense to get a new doctor, there's so much misinformation out mm-hmm. there. But first I want to say that our wetness level is not an indicator of arousal. We could be yeah. very turned on and not wet. We could be wet and not turned on. Mm-hmm. It changes with our monthly cycles. It yeah. changes with certain medications. It changes for a lot of different things. And so really, um, add lube. Like my vision is yep. like a lube on every nightstand. I, 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 mean, I want everybody to just say like, if, if anything intimate is happening, pull out the lube so you don't, you don't yeah. have to even think about it because then this becomes another self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm not mm-hmm. wet enough. And, and so I yeah. think just add a few drops to everything and, you know, to your penis, your fingers, your hands, whatever, whoever you're with. And because also mm-hmm. the tearing can happen if you're too dry and then you get infections. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's something I used to have this rule that I would not allow a penis, eh, a finger. Okay. (laughs) But I would not allow penetrative sex to occur unless I was like soaking wet. Like I was like, until I'm fully wet, this is not happening up in here. Like, sorry, you're not invited into the party until it's fully prepared. And I think I've kind of transitioned away from that a bit because as you said, there are times where I'm super turned on and I might not be fully wet yet, but I'm like, no, I want this right now. Like we're grabbing lube and we're going. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, let's go. There's a thing. And this is another one of those myths. This is misinformation Mm -hmm. that we just, we aren't taught. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, this is the last question. And then I have like a per- my own question to ask you. Yeah. Of course. Um, <laughs> so this last question is how to appreciate being a squirter during sex and not make the aftermath cleanup suck. Okay. That's a great <laughs> question because it can suck, but it's amazing. Throw down a towel, throw yeah. down some blankets. Like there's like throws online that are like known for sex play. I think Liberator makes one. I just buy mm. like those, those like fuzzy blankets from like, even from like Target. You just, this is my sex blanket yeah. and you throw it in the wash after, but don't mm-hmm. apologize for it. Just say, oh, yeah. I'm a squirter. Throw it down. Like I think mm-hmm. this whole like, is it weird? Is it wrong? I mean, she didn't ask that, but that yeah. could be the next question. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Like no one, wa- yeah, washing the sheets is a pain in the ass. Just have your sex yeah. blankets and throw them in with your towels or your blankets. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can like get creative and you can like go in the bathroom. Yeah. You can like Literally two nights ago, um, I was masturbating and felt like, oh, I might, like something might be happening soon. So I got off of my bed and like was on my carpet. And then I'm like, I should have put a blanket down or something on my carpet. But the first time it ever happened, it it happened on my carpet and I like vacuumed it up. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, I'm sorry to my upstairs neighbor. I'm sorry. Um, There's no one in the apartment below me. So I didn't care about that. But but yeah, like just laying things down. And I think, um, you know, it's, I'm not a typical squirter, but I, it's possible and I do, but I've never, I think that there is a lot of shame, unfortunately, that comes, that comes with that of like, oh, you're a squirter. Um, but to me, it's like, no, that's fantastic. If we're getting to that point, like, absolutely. There's my one Toronto lover where literally anytime he fingers me in this like specific way, Mm -hmm. I squirt everywhere. I literally covered his entire chest (laughs) And it like it looked like he like came out of a pool. <laughs> I was like, this has never happened before. But we right. made it into like this sexy, like yeah. we're just gonna get dirty with each other kind of a yeah. thing. Um, right. And that aftermath was like, all right, we're gonna hop in the shower now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's always the shower, right? Yeah. It's on, it's no shame in the squirting game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that does it for some of our listener questions here. Um, I was curious for you, what? this is my own personal question and problem that I'm figuring out. Um, I don't know if it's because of the rods in my back. So I have two metal rods in my back from my neck down to my butt. So like, I am not flexible. Like it's just straight action here with my back. Um, but when it comes to like actually being able to experience penetrative sex solo, it's so hard for me to like actually get up in there So I end up just sticking to like clip play and like nipple play. Like it's a lot of work for me to even be able to like reach and do all of it. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a common thing that people struggle with, that women struggle with like actually getting leverage and being able to penetrate themselves vaginally. But I'm like, yes, this is a struggle for me. No, I get it. So there are some toys that are made for, that are people who are um, differently abled. I'm trying yeah. to think of what the, um, some of them are. Which toys do you have? Do you know? So, yeah. So I've been using um, the melts from We Vibe, which I love. Um, Amazing. I've been using, I use Nova, uh, the one that like which goes one? in the Nova by We Vibe also. It like That's goes in one. and also has like the clip part. Um, so yeah, those two have been like my go-to for okay. actually being able to. Do those work and, for you because they're and then also you can use it with the app, the Nova. Yes. You can and the mm-hmm. melt, so then yeah. you don't have to fuss with the buttons. Yes, um, exactly. And then also, there's another womanizer model that has a longer handle, and then there's hmm. the womanizer. Um, let me look these up. Right. And also, have you tried using like a liberator wedge underneath you so you can lift up your like you can have leverage where you're like elevated to your butts up, like a, like a wedge cushion. So you're lifted. Hmm. You know, like not just pillows, but like literally it's a wet, would that hurt? I'm like showing you. <laughs> I don't know. What I've done is I have, um, like while it's inserted, I've moved positions to be kind of like up on my knees and like with my yes. feet and I'll kind of try to like <laughs> stick it in between my, hold it with yeah. my feet and then like bounce kind of. Um, oh, and so they I also, gotta get creative. <laughs> no, listen, Liberator also has a, um, 
a cushion, like, and it had, like, you could stick your toy in it and it holds your toy. So you can kind of like ride the toy. Huh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That sounds like something that I would benefit from. But yeah, I feel like yeah. this is like the one area where uh, having scoliosis actually feels like mm. a little bit of a disability. Because Yeah, no, I understand <laughs> that, sweetie. I want to help you here. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, wait. There it is. Yeah, because like I do experience orgasm just from clit play um using melts like with melts melt is like i best name ever because i've like melted like the first time i used it, i had an orgasm i was like what, what like, i had an orgasm that i didn't know was possible i was like yeah i just like, have another clitor like it pulled out my internal i came into my team i was like you guys i had a crazy orgasm this is like our office yeah i'm like it pulled something <laughs> nerve endings it was amazing do you know what i'm saying yes. oh, yeah no okay. it's it's so interesting the different again like you know when I've shared even with friends the my first vibrator I got like a year and a half ago so this is like a new oh my new experience God. for me but you know there were all these concerns of like oh well you're gonna destig you're gonna uh, you know um, destimulate or des- uh, why can't uh, I think desensitize. desensitize yes yeah, yeah. They're like you're gonna okay. desensitize your clit and you know it's partnered sex not, not isn't gonna feel the same anymore and I was like. I don't think so. And, you know, there's certainly you can build like an association to these things like we talked about. But I mean, the orgasm that I experienced using a vibrator is like nothing I've ever experienced with partnered sex. And there's orgasms I've experienced with partnered sex that I will not be able to experience with vibrators. Exactly. just we don't difference. have to choose. It's just yeah. like eating, right? Like I had a meal here. I had a meal here. It's all part mm-hmm. of nutrition. So, yes. yeah. So, this is what I'm also thinking for you because I want you to. I feel like, do you know, are you familiar with Liberator at all? Like the no. Liberator. Okay, so um, let's see. They have this. So I feel like for you, it's going to be working around with um, Liberator, uh, working around like different cushions and different, like, um, mm-hmm. like sex furniture is what it is. Yeah. So, like sex think, furniture. Yeah. I think. Uh, Dr. Stephen Dewitt. Um, he's in Toronto, and I went I had... to school with him. No way. Yeah, I just <laughs> yes. That's so funny. I believe I did. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did. Yeah, in two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Are you Pro- probably dating him? Oh <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I did say Toronto. Yeah, no, he's not my Toronto lover that I was talking okay. about. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, he and I became friends just through having him on the podcast and. Um, one of the things that he was suggesting was, I had, I'm blanking on what it was called, but I know he sent me a picture of it and it's almost like, a um, Oh, a Sibian. Yes. I think I was the Sibian. Yeah. How how do you describe that? Oh, the Sibian. It looks like a horse. It looks like a a, a saddle. It's like a saddle. saddle. Mm -hmm. And there's all these attachments, like a hundred of them. I have one in my garage, like literally, and you just ride it. It, um, yeah. it's S-Y-B-I-A-N. That's what I was going to tell you. That's yes. exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I feel like, well, the most times that I actually like squirt or like physically like come because I hadn't even, I mean, it was rare. I had maybe had two or three times in my life that I had actually like came where it's like, oh, there's like fluid. It's not just like I'm really wet. Right. And that was with Toronto Lover. And he would finger me and I just like come everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's to where I'm like, yeah, I want to be able to recreate this, well, this in some form, but I can't finger okay. myself like that. I mean, now, now is the time for me to be doing all of this when I literally have no option other than to just have sex with myself. So exactly. Now is the time for all of us. If we're, if you're partner, solo partner to your home, yeah. Come on, I don't want to give people pressure like you got to write your first novel and you got to like have your entire house organized but but at least spend up your intimacy game. Try to do yeah. something a little bit learn your body a little bit more. Mhm. Definitely. Yeah. I've I've been on that journey a bit and definitely experimenting with toys has has been very very helpful, but it's yeah, it's a it's a whole new world. I feel like I'm definitely where you were when you first started your podcast yeah. of like, <laughs> how do I experience these things and how do I engage right. all of this? And it's it's fun. Yeah. yeah, that is fun. I love it. I I mean, I'm here to help you too. I mean, we're so equipped. But like, if you need to know anything or you want to connect yeah. with any of these toy companies or like, however yeah. I can help you. Amazing. But it's a fun journey to go on because we're so limited in what we believe is what mm-hmm. we can do. Like, I thought I could only have a clitoral orgasm because that's yeah. so. 
Definitely. Well, to kind of wrap all this up, um, is there anything that you would want to share with listeners just around, you know, some of the questions that we had or around even toys that we were just talking about favorites, um, or kind of like a big takeaway for you just from doing this work? Um, I think my big takeaway is that, um, sex, your sexual health and wellness is a really important part of your overall health journey. Mm-hmm. And that it's just, you take one step at a time and it's important to pay attention to it. And that, that you, we are responsible for our own pleasure. No one's giving it to you or taking it from you. Um, and it, it is a path and it's a process. So mm-hmm. be patient with yourself and, and go slow. And I always say communication is a lubrication. And oh, yeah. the more that you talk about sex with your partners, the, and, you know, the more you're comfortable with yourself, the better, the better like intimacy enhanced intimacy you're going to have. And I just love toys. Keep playing with them. I love revives. I love womanizers, Mm -hmm. all those things. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. And we've already talked about um, your show and everything, uh, but could you just share again with people all the best places to find you? Sure. It's um, Sex with Emily is my podcast. We release it three times a week. Sexwithemily.com, Sex with Emily on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and everyone can send your questions. We answer them on the show to feedback at sexwithemily.com. If you have Sirius XM radio, I'm on Monday through Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific, and people can call in with their sex and relationship questions. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right? And, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time.